Welcome to Enacting the Kingdom, a podcast about liturgical worship. My name is Father Yuri Gladio, and I'm an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning. I'm joined by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey holds a doctorate in liturgical theology and is the co-director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Enacting the Kingdom. We are on the final episode of Gladsome Light, Father Jeffrey, the Gladsome Light Enacting the Kingdom. How do we bring this hymn, this part of the service, this part of Vespers, how do we let it actually affect our life outside of church in our every single day life? Oh, Gladsome Light. There's, I guess there's a couple of ways we can pursue this question, Father Jeffrey, one would be, especially in that we're recording this during the coronavirus pandemic, how can we bring, let's maybe start here, how can we bring Ogladsome Light like into our homes, especially because a lot of people can't actually go to church and experience that they're in the first place even? Right. So, I mean, the question in a way, before we even get out into the world to enact this liturgical reality of the evening light and everything, we probably do need to do precisely that, which is to kind of domesticate it in the sense of bringing it into the home. Uh, we, we already know that the home is meant to be a little church, right? And yes, you know, we have the, the privilege and opportunity in our Christian life of joining together in in a larger community that is the, the 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 local parish, and we have these services. But at times, you know, even when there is no pandemic, we, we're not able to be there all the time, right? Uh, it, that's not the reality. That you know, we're not in monastic communities where day in and day out we're worshiping with the same people. We have to somehow domesticate the services anyway. And as I think we've talked about before, you know, it, it's really good to to take the services as the church does them and to use those at home rather than trying to imagine a whole other way of praying at home. And so precisely like how would we, you know, take this ritual of the gathering around the the evening light and singing this hymn into the home. Well, it's actually quite straightforward because of course the church ritual itself was taken from a domestic kind of situation, right? As we've talked about. So if the church has simply taken the idea of gathering the family that gathers around the central family home, the the hearth of the home and, and lights an evening lamp and gathers together as the darkness draws in, as the cold draws in and so forth. If the church has taken that and ritualized it and, and, given this symbolic meaning of the light of Christ that comes into the world, it should be relatively straightforward for us to reclaim it in the home as well and say, okay, maybe we don't do this anymore. We know we've talked before about central lighting and, and central heating, and you know it doesn't necessarily um, apply anymore that when the darkness and the, the cold draws in, that everybody in the household has to gather in one place, right? Around one lamp, whether you're reading or playing the piano or crocheting or whatever. In, in the in days gone by, you were all in the same room doing it because you didn't want to have to heat the whole house. You lit one fire, you lit one lamp, and everybody was in that one place. Well, today, you know, 
likely everybody's on a separate, you know, Zoom session or YouTube, you know, binge or, you know, Netflixing and chilling somewhere in the house. And, and we're just, we're separate, right? So maybe part of what we need to reclaim in our families, in our homes is this idea of at least from time to time, you know, making this conscious, deliberate effort to gather together and and to do so prayerfully to do so in a spirit of of quietude a spirit of reflection a spirit of acknowledging that as darkness and cold you know surround us that we are nevertheless in in the presence of the light of Christ the light of Christ that warms us that cares for us that 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 fills us with his grace and blessing and and so forth and and if we if that is the heart of the christian home if that sort of reality symbolically and literally if we can enact that is how we are together with one another then it will be a transforming experience in our lives it'll be a different kind of family and household that does that than one that that, as I say, just sort of scatters to the to the far reaches of any uh, building and 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 ignores one another um, and doesn't kind of have that community gathering at the heart of it. Yeah, I've given some guidance to people before on how to bring vespers into the home, and one of the things that I would say is if if you have to like if you don't have a lot of time and you have to only do one thing then I would say do gladsome light, right? Like, you know, in the evening when, when the sun is setting, either recite it or, or sing it if you can uh, in the home. Um, because it really is, as far as I understand, that central moment of the service. And if we can bring that into our homes, at least we're bringing part, part of the life of the church into our homes. Is that good advice to give? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as we've seen in the many episodes that have led up to this one, um, everything else in Vespers is meaningful and uh, in fact, extremely uh, instructive for our Christian life and for the way that, you know, those Psalms in particular draw us in and bring us back into community because we see what it's like to not be in that community with the kinds of isolation and alienation that, uh, you know, that are part of the human experience and everything. And so really the, 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 the steps that we have in Vespers to get us to this point are, are important, but arguably, you know, if you're attuned to human life, you're living that anyway, right? So let's say this family that, you know, is committed to drawing together in the evening and, and doing this one thing of saying, we're going to, we're going to light a light in our midst, literally and figuratively, and we are going to sing this hymn together. I mean, if you are doing that and you are attuned to what human life is all about, you've already lived Lord, I have cried unto you, hear me, you know, in the course of the day, you know, in your separation from one another, just like the psalmist has. And the, those psalms, the lamplighting psalms that have, the evening psalms that have led to this moment are precisely psalms of moving from, you know, far away places, far away from God, far away from community, far away from our own true selves back into the place where we can gather and worship and praise God. Ultimately, as we saw, I mean, all the nations will be doing this, right? And so 
that very movement of our lives. So people that have been scattered at schools and workplaces and all the responsibilities and cares and struggles and, and, and turmoil of our lives, they've lived that experience anyway. And hopefully prayerfully, you know, accompanied by the Psalms, because that's become such an important part of Christian life and prayer and so forth. But in, so it's it's in that gathering together in the evening. You know, we don't need to necessarily rehearse that part. So you're right to give that. If you're going to do one thing, let it be the thing of the gathering, of the acknowledgement of Christ's presence in our midst, of that movement from darkness to light, of despair to hope. You know, of of you know lack of bearings to having this guiding light in our midst, who is Christ. So I think vespers you know, again, as far as I understand, does a good job at acknowledging that we are actually entering evening, right? That the service mm-hmm. acts as an entry, a, a, a liminal space into our evening, a, a threshold into our evening, and it acknowledges evening, it acknowledges darkness. But I think where a lot of the disconnect comes in our own life relative to Vespers is that many of us don't have an evening, right? We have a later part of the day where you know all the lights are on and the tv is going and the radio is going and yeah. all, all our willpower stamina has been spent for the day because willpower has a limited stamina during the day that you get your willpower gets weaker and weaker throughout the day um so i i guess one of the things that i would want to get your take on father jeffrey is this need to reclaim the evening in our own lives I think you've put your finger exactly on the pulse of of what needs to happen here. I, I mean, just in terms of you know all the kinds of stresses that we seem to be experiencing in our world today, and and a big one is even the the kind of sleep disorders that people have, and not not actually living according to natural rhythms and and so forth. Um, I think it, t- it takes its toll psychologically, uh, you know, over a long period uh, of time. You know, as you say that with you know with this simple introduction of electricity, with with the heating and lighting that comes along with that, and this extension of the day. Uh, comes an expectation of kind of full on, you know, productivity, perhaps, you know, we're still getting emails probably through that period as well, unless we're consciously deliberately turning off methods of communication, you know, that way. So there's this kind of, you know, we're either at work or, you know, in productive mode or we're asleep and that sleep is, you know, disrupted from the, by the fact that we're not moving through these kind of natural stages and so forth. And I, I, the the other psychological tool, of course, is that without acknowledging evening, you know, without acknowledging the world of darkness, the world of, you know, fear and all these kinds of deep human experiences, it's like, you know, we're all looking at each other thinking, you know, does, does he, or does she not see what I see here or experience? So I'll just kind of you know, soldier on, I'll kind of screw up the courage and in this kind of autonomous, independent, you know, I won't be, I won't be scared of anything kind of mode, you know, we'll just push forward. And psychologically, the toll that that takes, because we haven't actually acknowledged, you know, all of that kind of dark side of our existence. Um, So what the, the Vesper service simultaneously does is acknowledge and, and name that darkness. It names those fears. You know, it, it talks about the demons, you know, that are stalking us and of the night terrors, 
that aren't, you know, it's not just toddlers that have night terrors, right? Uh, but as adults, we're, we kind of stoically have to kind of suppress that idea. So in, in its wisdom, the church, you know, through the, the Psalms and through the, the services, acknowledges that. It calls it out. It names it. But at the same time, brings our attention to the one who overcomes all that, the one who's the solution to that. So unless we're actually acknowledging it in the first place, we're not even going to see the need for a solution because we just we're going to try to soldier on, stoically ignore what is a kind of fundamental part of human existence. And and therefore, you know, psychologically we'd get more and more anxious and stressed and and depressed. And, and I think a lot of the modern condition owes its you know it's all of its problems to electricity and light and that precisely what you said that the fact that we no longer experience that rhythm or have an opportunity to enter into it meaningfully as christians with our hope and with our faith in christ you know because if if we're ignoring the problem we're surely not going to be turning to christ for the solution to any of that so we don't even see the need for fossilagon, for the oh, gladsome light anymore, because we don't see the darkness, or at least we're not acknowledging the darkness. We're experiencing it, and I think that's where our problems lie, because we haven't acknowledged the re- that reality of our lives. How would you respond to someone? Well, well, let's say I play some devil's advocate here, and I say, you know what? Humans live differently now. We have lights all the time. Electricity is just a thing and it's here to stay because it's amazing and it does so much good for for everybody. Therefore, Fossileron, glad some light, that him, this type of piety is now obsolete. Like it doesn't make, it does not reflect the patterns of life of the people who are worshiping anymore. So we should perhaps change it or do something different. How would you respond to a claim like that? Yeah, so and that's a, a really legitimate you know, question, and you can ask that right the way across a lot of our liturgical, you know, experience and symbolism and and so forth. And you know, Metropolitan Callisto Swear a few years ago, you know, raised some questions in a typical way that he does. You know, not suggesting this is the way to go, but he was saying, you know, can we? still, you know, have services that, you know, have staples like wheat, wine, and oil when, you know, most of us don't actually relate to those things. You know, we have packaged goods and products and everything and things like light and dark, you know, are no longer meaningful in in, in quite the same way. I think he's asking the question to get us to think rather than saying, let's just get, do away with all of these ancient services or whatever. So, you know, theoretically you could devise a new, form of liturgy that would acknowledge, say, that extension of the day, the fact that there is no sunset that is meaningful, you know, for us. So why have sunset prayers? You know, why why worry about, you know, moving vespers around so it kind of starts uh, more or less at the time where the sun is setting, you know, in your part of the world and so forth to, you know, if we're no longer relating to these natural phenomena, can we not find some way of liturgizing um, the, the the life that we actually have, you know, so we should have the you know the the shutting off of the the lights <laughs> prayers in the evening rather than the you know something that happens at sunset because you know, 
probably in most of our lives, we get more light, not less at the time it's getting darker outside because we're just turning on more electric light. So that would be an option. And I mean, it'd be worth maybe exploring what that would look like and so forth. And would it actually acknowledge and address some of the psychological and a deeply embedded subconscious parts of, of, of the human experience? Um, I mean, part of the problem, of course, is that, you know, all this is really, really quite recent. Um, you know, in the span of, you know, creation history and human existence and, and our forebears and so forth. I mean, the last hundred years or so of electric lighting is, is a very small slice of time indeed, right? So we are still programmed, you know, based on an evolutionary biology of, you know, millennia um, and, and beyond, you know, and to, to kind of shift just because, you know, the technology of the last hundred years has shifted is probably even from an evolutionary biological point of view, a problematic thing to do, because even outside of liturgy, you know, psychologists and, you know, biologists will tell you that there's an awful lot of our behaviors are programmed from things that, that go much deeper than that. So maybe, you know, the correct answer here is liturgy should always be taking into consideration holistically the whole human person formed over a long, long period of time, a lot longer than than the time of our current technology and, and everything. But I would say whatever we're doing, it has to kind of take stock of reality as it is. And I think there is something to be said for the fact that we do experience darkness and alienation and cold in this world. And we do have this deep evolutionary as well as creational um, and those two go hand in hand in my view uh, need to be drawing to together you know for for light for warmth and to acknowledge ultimately the one who created us and is calling us into his own purposes into his own kingdom as the the ultimate light and source of of warmth and strength and grace in in our in our world and the fact that we are trying kind of artificially to ignore reality. I think that's a kind of main source of what we've now seen as a kind of absolute, you know, epidemic of psychological distress in our world today. I mean, levels of anxiety and depression and so forth are at, are at record levels. Can that not in some way be attributable to the fact that a lot of us are just trying to push on and ignore and through artificial means, you know, deal with what our forebears had to deal with as a kind of daily reality, this cycle of light and dark and so forth. And if we don't acknowledge that in this way, we've probably got to find another way to do it. Otherwise, we're just going to kind of continue to spiral downwards uh, in terms of mental illness and health and so forth. So yeah, I, I I, I would be willing to kind of have that discussion with people about, you know, do you liturgize the artificial forms of human life that we have now, or is it better maybe for us to find ways of reclaiming what is more fundamental to us and has been so for forever until, you know, Edison and Tesla and others brought us the, the, the joy and gift and, and grace of electricity. 
The podcast you're listening to reflects only the public half of the overall project of enacting the kingdom. Father Jeffrey and I actively post new episodes on our completely separate private podcast. This private space gives us the freedom to debate and discuss open and sometimes controversial questions regarding the Orthodox faith amongst a smaller and more dedicated audience. If you become a patron now, you'll get immediate access to our growing backlog of private episodes, including a discussion on the ordination of women and the coronavirus multiple spoon controversy. To get access to this private podcast, go to pryingpriest.com. Looking forward to having you join our growing community on Patreon. Now back to the show. Yeah, in my in my limited reading and listening on this subject, particularly of sleep, I've been very interested in in sleep. Um, my my understanding is that a lot of the people who do the scientific research into these topics, uh, whether they be like nutritionists or or sleep experts or whatever it might be, um, are pointing back to our need as humans to be connected to our created world around us. Right, and that there's a there becomes a electricity, say in terms of electric light, has added or or particularly kind of the blue light from uh, screens, right? Our TVs, our smartphones, our computers, they add um, uh, kind of an external force into our biology that mm-hmm. that we it will take, uh, let's say, hundreds of thousands of years for us to get used to, right? Um, right. So we need to find ways of adapting uh, to. Um, to this new situation uh, and, and to and my, my perspective would be to reclaim our connection with the created world uh, that would be how I would approach the issue which which I think falls hand in hand and perfectly with uh, serving Vespers and that reclaiming our connection with the natural world yeah I mean so much uh, in the scriptures and in the liturgy and everything depends on that kind of connection with, with the the natural world. I mean, think of the Gospel of John, which we've, you know, referred to in in this series. Or, you know, Christ comes as the light into a dark world. And I mean, our Lord refers, you know, in this discussion with Nicodemus, you know, to the fact that you know, although the light has come into the world, people loved darkness rather than light. Right. So all of this imagery. I mean, that's that's meaningless if we don't have that connection, right? But the, I don't think it's meaningless in terms of people are no longer loving the darkness. People still love the darkness. They're just not experiencing it as darkness because of all of that artificial light, right? So it, it's a false you know, a picture that is being given that way. But, but lest anybody misunderstand us, I don't think what we're talking about is kind of becoming old order Mennonites or something and you know, turning off all of our um, appliances and technology and and moving out and living only on farms and you know so in order to understand the liturgy you have to be a farmer and you know daily you know scrounging for food and that sort of thing it's not that level of of reconnection that i think we would be arguing for but just doing meaningful intentional rituals that will reconnect us to some of these fundamental aspects of being a human being of experiencing the world and so forth so so maybe it means you know once or twice a week for a period in the evening not using the electric light and lighting a candle and singing something like oh gladsome light together as a family and 
you know, just through these small acts of reclaiming some of that connection, we can re-experience that. Or, you know, annually going on a camping trip somewhere where there is no electric light, and you'll be astonished by what you see in the sky, you know, by the stars that are still present in the city, but are just invisible to us. So it's part of that kind of thing. It's, it's about saying, it's there, we just don't see it. So let's find ways of seeing again and and we'll be astonished i think at at how quickly we can reclaim something of what it means to be properly human about a year back we me and nikaila here in our home started we put together a evening light setup if that makes sense right mm-hmm. so these lights would turn on these lights would turn off you know after it becomes dark outside and usually it was it was more subdued it lent itself to um, the evening right and you know we did our best to try and you know incorporate that with singing about gladsome light but sometimes that fell off the the wagon but the the point being that you in your own home can actually set up some sort of evening lighting situation um and if you have you know if you have kids it's you can say, you know, would you be willing to help me with coming up with some sort of evening lighting situation and and make it a kind of a family uh, effort? Um, and and what it does is uh, it even something as simple as having it a little bit more dark prepares your brain for sleep, right? It prepares your body for sleep. Um, having something maybe lighting a little bit of incense, or you know, if you're more uh, technically savvy, having some sort of diffuser with a with the same smell um, also prepares your body for for sleep. And the big one that people will always talk about in when the the people who research this is to be off devices for an hour before you go to sleep, right? Mm. P- pick up a book. Uh, I have a Kobo and I put it on um, all yellow light, not blue mm-hmm. light. So I'll, I'll, I'll read a little bit. Um, I, I will confess, I watch TV and stuff sometimes and, you know, uh, maybe too close to bedtime, but um, I try and I fail, but I try. Uh, I, I think those are some tangible actions that we could take to, uh, to help our sleep and help us mark our evening and have a closer connection with that natural order. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that will happen naturally as some of those, you know, ritualized ways of living, you know, kind of take hold is we'll actually be drawing closer together to one another again. Um, you know, if, if, for example, one of the things that you did as a family would be to light a fire, if you happen to have a fireplace and and a lot of people do and never use them. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of homes have the fireplace, so whether it's a a gas fire or a wood fire, it involves some kind of, you know, ritual steps of, of lighting and maintaining and so forth. So there's lots of kind of activity that's centered around that, but people draw in, they, they draw close. And, you know, if people are picking up books, you know, then others might be encouraged to pick up books as well, or some, you know, a couple of people might get out a board game or something. And, and some of these more traditional family activities might start to take hold again. Uh, and all of that is really good because it's about reconnecting. It's about having this kind of deep relationship uh, building activities that are part uh, and are interwoven into the fabric of our lives. So very often, at the moment, people are living their stressful lives, isolated from one another, out in the world, in these different environments of school and work and so forth. And then they come 
back home, yes, in the same building, in the same household, but then scattering to the far corners of the house on their individual, you know, internets, because you know that everybody's internet is different given all of the technologies and social media algorithms and everything. So it's just like more and more isolation rather than this idea of coming together, of, of sharing a story, uh, you know, a lived story together, a shared experience and so forth. So all of this is kind of self-reinforcing, right? Whether you're going in one direction or the other. And, and I think what we're saying here is that the, doing something around lighting and gathering in the evening is absolutely crucial to us being able to be healthy, full human beings, right? It's what the church has always invited us to do in the evening. And I think as with a lot of those kinds of practices, we're now seeing through, you know, psychologists and other health professionals or whatever, that this is precisely what makes us properly healthy as human beings if we do these kinds of things. So yes, adjust your lighting, adjust the, 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 the rituals in the evening, the activities that you're doing. And I think it, it will pay dividends for sure, let alone the fact that we're actually following you know, the prayerful uh, practice of the church to acknowledge in the midst of darkness in this world, the one who is the unconquerable light, Christ our Lord. There is one thing that I want to add to this idea of bringing these practices into your home life. And that is that sometimes when we start to do these things, we tend to be a little gung-ho and, and maybe try to do a whole lot. What I would... Um, People who tend to have these practices and they last, um, they, 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 they will start small, right? So if you, if you have a scale that says, how confident are you that you can maintain these rituals and these traditions in your home every single day, right? And if you say, well, you know, let's say lighting, reading an hour before bed, no TV, board games with the family, like how confident that you can do that every single day? You might say, um, I'm probably a two out of 10 that I can do that every day, right? So then what you want to do is strip away some of those things until you get to a nine or a 10 confidence that you can do it every day. And that might mean that you only start with, we're going to light a lamp in front of an icon of Christ, and that will mark the beginning of our evening. And then that's all you can do for, let's say, even a couple of months, right? And then you can slowly add more things. So that would be my recommendation if you're trying to build a, a habit of bringing the, bringing the evening back into your home would be to start small and start something with which you are have a nine or a 10 confidence that you could do every day. That's excellent advice. I mean, that that... that that's exactly what underlies good habit formation, right? Uh, we, we set out with two lofty goals if we fail and therefore we give up. But if we can just build slowly, deliberately, one step at a time, then it, it will be absolutely transformative if we can have some of these things take hold. You've just finished listening to another public episode of Enacting the Kingdom. If you're getting value from this podcast and you'd like to support the show, you can head over to pryingpriest.com to become a patron. Also, five-star ratings with written reviews go a long way to getting the word out there about this show. Also, since Enacting the Kingdom is social media free, any word-of-mouth recommendations you can make to your friends and family would be greatly appreciated. We'll see you next time.